Hello and welcome to this Net Zero Investor Podcast. I'm Monica Woodley. In recent years, we've seen how ESG investment has shifted from a mainly exclusionary strategy to a more nuanced approach of investment and engagement in order to drive change. Some investors are taking a much more active role in shaping the companies they invest in, for example, pushing them to set net zero targets and create strategies to meet those goals, even forcing change at the board level to achieve their aims, as we saw with activist investor Engine Number no. 1 and ExxonMobil. Part of the shift in approach is greater collaboration between investors themselves and also asset owners and their investment managers. So today I'm talking with Lucas Kengmana, a senior investment strategist in the sustainable investments team of the New Zealand Superannuation Fund, about how active engagement by ESG investors is driving change and the ways that asset owners can work with their investment managers to improve ESG performance of their investee companies and funds. Welcome, Lucas. Hi, Monica. Happy to be here. Thanks. So we've seen investment within in the engagement with investee companies, um, both by asset owners directly and through their investment managers, evolve quite significantly in recent years. So why don't we start with what engagement means at New Zealand Super and what role it plays in your approach to ESG investing? Um, I know you recently had a, a review of your approach, um, so it'd be great to hear what the overall takeaways of that review were and any specific specific changes to your engagement process. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, as you say, engagement is changing and it's really being driven by the fact that um, asset owners are changing what they're looking to achieve. And so as um, the New Zealand government's um, sovereign wealth fund, the New Zealand superannuation fund has always been quite interested in investing in a responsible manner. In 2020, we kicked off a review of our responsible investment strategy just to make sure that it was sort of keeping pace with, um, with, with changes. The initial phase of this review gathered a range of interesting findings. First, stakeholder expectations are growing and they're digging deeper and deeper into investors' portfolios. Second, the disclosures um, and that companies were making and the tools uh, that we have to manage their ESG performance were getting better and better. And third, asset owners' ambitions were increasing. Alongside that sort of piece, we also did a piece looking at the um, relationship between ESG performance and financial performance. And there we concluded actually, a we came to a, what we call a weekly positive conclusion. So that is to say, there was some evidence that there was a positive link between ESG performance, and there was some evidence of no link between ESG performance, but there was very little evidence of um, a negative link between financial performance and ESG performance. And, and that was, you know, um, formed on the basis of a, you know, a scan of the academic literature, talking to investment managers and asset owners and, and performing back tests. So it was quite a rigorous um, process. On the basis of those, those two um, findings, our board actually decided to to lift the ambition of the fund and actually play, um, you know, not only consider ESG in terms of its impact on financial performance, but also look at how um, our portfolio can improve social and environmental outcomes for all of our stakeholders. Landing on that conclusion obviously meant that we would want to change um, you know, what we are asking of our company. So previously, we had largely been focused on ESG risks. And now we are, you know, taking that step to asking them to help us to deliver on those social and environmental outcomes. You know, of course, this is this is a, a process, and 
right now we're kind of in the middle of the conversation, but I think sort of the end goal is to, to start to see you know, quantifiable, measurable improvements mm-hmm. in the environmental and social impacts of, of the companies we invest in. Yeah, and I know that's something that I've I've seen with with a lot of investors that it is moving from just uh, conversations to really actively measuring the impact of their engagement uh, with with the investee companies and and setting clear targets with them so that everybody's on the same page. Have you? I guess could you give us perhaps you know some examples of where some engagement with companies has has changed or. Are you still, as you said, kind of in, in the process of figuring out how, how you want to change your invest or your engagement strategy? Yeah, look, so so one really good example is um with our, our farm on founder manager. So New Zealand Superfund owns about 30 farms across New Zealand, mostly dairy, but um also some beef and horticulture farms. So, you know, we we went to them with uh, you know the same request we've been going to with to you know a number of our investee companies and said, look, we want you to tell us, you know, what you do is actually um, you know having a tangible, positive impact on the world. You know, they went away, um, had some did a series of workshops across their business, and came up with a, a four pillar approach. And they said basically, you know, the the purpose of a farm right and and our and our portfolio is to provide healthy environment, uh, healthy people, uh, healthy animals, and a healthy business. And they put KPIs under each of those, those things. And I think that sort of represents a, you know, a really ideal outcome. Because, you know, so as a result of that, they've uh, achieved a, a whole range of these KPIs. They've reduced the greenhouse gas emissions per hectare of their portfolio by 8% over the last four years in, in, the, um, in the dairy sector. And across their, their whole portfolio, they've actually managed to achieve a 22% reduction in emissions per hectare. At the same time, they've delivered significant cuts to um, their nitrogen per hectare, which is important for water quality in New Zealand, and reduced their uh, health and safety incidents on farm. And all of that they did while delivering excellent financial returns. Okay, so that was a, a great example of where one of your investee companies is looking at things across a, a range of, of ESG issues. What would you say have been the main focus areas of, of your engagement? Is it ESG broadly or is it mainly climate issues uh, and what influences your priorities? Yeah, so I think both climate change and, and ESG more broadly are crucial to the fund. There are some features of climate change that make it easier to engage on. So, you know, one, the carbon footprint is a fairly objective measurement. Two, it has, uh, you know, uh, the potential to be uh, financially meaningful. And three, it kind of impacts almost every, there's, there's pretty much, I think actually every company in our portfolio is impacted by climate change in, in some shape or form. So, you know, that means that, you know, it does get kind of pride of place at, at times, but that's not to say that's, that's mm-hmm. you know, sort of our, our desired outcome. It, it's sort of an accident of, of reality. When it comes to other ESG issues, I think we have to take a much more case-by-case basis and figure out what is actually, what are the meaningful environmental, social, and governance issues that face mm-hmm. the particular investee company. Make sure that we're tailoring, or they are tailoring, the, uh, you know, their their goals, their KPIs, and their actions to fit their circumstances. Okay. And um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I think we are seeing a lot more collaboration um, when it comes to engagement. Um, And I'm just wondering how you work with your investment managers. How do you set your engagement expectations for them? How do you work with them? How do you support them to achieve 
uh, the agreed goals and also how do you measure their performance? Yeah, so with our, any manager we take on, we, you know, we are very clear about who we are as an investor, that we do have this dual, this dual focus. And we, you know, we also are clear about the fact that you know, we are net zero investors and we like our managers to, you know, to, to join us in, in, in that journey. So you know, that's, that's sort of you know, where we start. And then we do ask them to come and tell us you know, what they plan to achieve, because I think it's much, you know, it's much better if the, the person you're working with sets their own targets that you then endorse because they'll buy into them mm-hmm. rather than, than you dictating from the outside what they should achieve. Uh, that being said, you know, we don't just accept any, any sort of you know, standard. We, we make sure that it, it lives up to, you know, it is a meaningful change and that it aligned with our ambitions. And, uh, you know, we've got a number of, of organizations now, um, like the UNPRI, like GFANS, that are, are bringing together investors and um, giving them some guidelines in terms of, of how to approach their individual engagements and, and also how to um, better collaborate um, with engagement. Are you involved in those different organizations and, and how do you see them shaping your engagement process yeah so we are in, uh, involved with um with with both of those organizations we are also involved in the um, investors group on climate change which is the australasian body focused on on climate change here there's a, there's a, uh, similar networks elsewhere and they they run the the net zero investment framework which is the framework we use to determine um, whether we are aligned with net zero they play an absolutely crucial role because i guess the flip side of having internally driven targets is also making sure that those targets you know follow a certain standard and so you know and they're comparable between between managers so so they provide the guidance to ensure that that you know we are comparing something as close to apples with 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 apples and then of course the guidance is is super valuable because there's just so much to you know to get our heads around that you know it's always it's always helpful to have others who, who can help us think through these things Finally, I guess the other thing I would say is, you know, when it comes to engaging with our equity portfolio, you know, we are a relatively small investment fund and we hold quite a significant number of, of equities, you know, over, over um, 3,000 at the last count. So we have to collaborate, A, to get, get the companies to listen to us and, and B, just to manage, manage the workload. So, you know, things like the CA 100 plus is, and the, the TPI are absolutely crucial in that respect. Yeah, that's yeah very important. <laughs> Add that, uh, bring together all of the uh, investor clout to make it more powerful. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, about that it's important with your investment managers that you know it's not just you forcing targets on them; that they have their own net zero goals, and and that there there's a lot more buy-in in that case. And I know one aspect of, of getting investee companies to um, improve their ESG performance is supporting asset owners' own commitments, um, like net zero commitments. I know you guys recently did make a net zero commitment, so I guess you could tell me a little bit about what, what motivated that change and how improving the ESG performance of your investee companies is supporting that commitment. Yeah, sure. So. I think it all comes back to that dual mandate, right? So, you know, once we found out that there was no, we didn't think there was, you know, a financial sacrifice to achieving social and environmental outcomes, and we adopted this dual mandate, it, it became quite clear that we should probably support the world to align with a, a 1.5 degree pathway or a net zero pathway. If we were going to do that, it, it seemed natural for us to, to make that commitment. And I think 
you know, what that kind of comes down to is it seems almost blindingly obvious now that, that you know, it, it would be great for our stakeholders, you know, for us to, to achieve a net zero world because the evidence is, is, is quite stark that the cost of mitigating climate change is far outweighed by the benefits of uh, mitigating climate change. So that was the motivation and then turning to, you know, how working with companies helps us to achieve our goals. I mean, our operational emissions are, I think, about 1% of our, our portfolio emissions. So there is no way that we can achieve our net zero goals without achieving, you know, without bringing the, the companies we invest in to, to a net zero path as well. So, you know, first and foremost, that's about them reducing their, their carbon emissions, but it's also about them aligning to a 1.5 degrees target, so adopting targets that are aligned with it, and investing in in climate change solutions. So we have ambitions in in all three of those. We have quantitative, quantified targets in the you know for carbon intensity, and we are working towards setting targets for um, alignment and uh, investment in climate change solutions. That's great. I do think if more investors were not just uh, talking, but uh, walking the talk, that would really help to accelerate change. So glad to hear of your, your recent commitment and, and the efforts in that space. Thank you, Lucas, for your time and your insights.